Becca, they were extremely convincing furries. This is Chloe, and we have a special guest, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Hello from the cozy inauguration settings. <laughs> okay, guys, the, the intro is a disaster because I kept trying to make a joke about a lash company. and It's not a lash company, it's a filler company, and that's all the confusion, basically. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> um, Everyone knows you have to spend 10 minutes of research before you make any joke. <laughs> um i'm just gonna come in and just introduce podcast because we've been trying to do this for like 10 minutes now <laughs> um so welcome back to the grim reader where we're terrible at introducing ourselves and our own podcast well done uh we judge a book by its cover um before giving a little review so uh yeah so i'm rebecca i'm chloe and nikki yeah so woo. <laughs> I love how I was like I'm not introducing it <laughs> I always feel like when Rebecca has to introduce it that we've been kind of mildly scolded <laughs> accurate actually like very Chloe, accurate yeah Chloe was doing her best and I was just being a mess <laughs> um yeah Nikki's true colors are shining through Nikki's um, true cozy colors yeah uh Nikki we've posted it to our Instagram is literally uh, cocooned herself. Um, I'm so warm. She doesn't need a pair of mittens at this point. Yeah. And then I am Bernie Sanders at the inauguration being cozy as fuck. <laughs> My favorite, favorite thing about all this is that Bernie's, I fact checked this. I saw it like as a meme on Instagram and I was like, there's no way that's true. But um, he has, his team have like taken that meme, put it on a sweatshirt, charged $45 for it. There's an eight week, it's sold out with an eight week backlog. And all the proceeds are going to the Vermont Meals on Wheels. Oh, because I was about to say that's not like Bernie to like. Oh, I was like, merch. just you wait till I hit you with the charity. Yeah, and then we got the charity. <laughs> Merch for charity, baby. <laughs> no, I loved, man, I loved those memes of Bernie Sanders. I was like, just, I love that man. But then, like, finding out, like, those mittens he got gifted um, by a school teacher. And they're, in like, Vermont. made from, In Vermont. And they're made from, like, recycled um, wool from jumpers and, like, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you are such a precious man. She cannot keep up with the demand. No. Um, my favorite thing that came out of it is I saw a crocheted version of him and I already have a crocheted Michael D. Higgins and I just think they're destined to be together. Yes. So guys, um, P.O. Box at the Grim Reader, buy me nice things. Uh, just, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind having a little crocheted um, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders tea cozy. Yeah. I think yeah. they actually are destined to be best friends, Michael D. They are. They're kindred, kindred spirits. They one likes socialism and one likes poems. <laughs> <laughs> actually, did you see the um, letter that Michael D. sent to Biden on for his inauguration? It was so lovely. I didn't see that. Oh, I was just like, oh, Michael D., you're doing us proud. <laughs> oh, like he, um, he's just some man, isn't he? I just love him so He'd much. He'd make you proud. He really He's just does. A lovely, 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 lovely man. 
And then really we just is. have our sham of a government then who actually decides the things. And oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> I what I love is like when you see um, any post of like uh, what country has the like most loved president and it comes up like Ireland with Michael D. Higgins. I'm like, yes, he is. We love him. Like we all love him. He is such I don't a think there's like the only the only time there's ever a contentious point was at the actual like election. Mm. That was when it was contentious. And I remember that year, my me and my parents were like kind of arguing a little bit because I was like, it's Michael D or bust. And they were like, no, like he's too old. And I was like, no. And that was like the only arg- like the major contentious point of the year. And then for Christmas, they gave me the little crocheted version of him. And it was a peace offering. <laughs> they conceded. They did. And they do like they do love him. He's a lovely man. He is. But then you compare that to our government and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh we could do Grim Reader tears Fina fall a new one. <laughs> the Grim, Grim, Grim Reader. Can I just say that um, the Joseph Madigan, uh, the uh, Minister for Special Education, um, her comments in the last uh, her comments in the last week. Um, I'm sorry, but how is she getting away with that? It actually sorry, break this down for me because I just muted politics this week. Um, right. So her first <laughs> comment was um, that it was coming up to their these these talks of reopening uh, schools for children with additional needs, and um, she made a comment talking about. Um, normal children and then children with additional needs Mm. uh first off the bat yeah and she got your job your job and if you cannot educate yourself um like i'm sorry how could you say that um to people like she is the champion representative for this demographic and she can't even address them should be the champion representative but she's not um, like look Stephen Donnelly is the minister for health and he knows nothing like know. they know nothing about their positions but her second comment oh oh I didn't think it could get worse than that oh it's the fact and as well that these comments have been made within like the span of a week and she still has her job um like, homegirl had a while to think about this she then said that um, compared um, SNAs and teachers and children with additional needs going back to school to mother and baby homes. I didn't hear that. Oh. Um, I'll oh get the God. direct. Sorry, this is something that's just really really bothered me and when I was talking to mom and dad about it and as well um it just oh, really angers is... me sorry um, I'm actually like I'm not going silent for lack of things I want to say it's I'm it's, like... it's just that shocking <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna read out her her quote this was on the Claire Byrne uh show on radio um and to be honest I she was not um it wasn't brought up in the interview. Like she wasn't called out for it. And that again is wrong Claire itself. Claire is like, you know, usually on the ball for that kind of thing. Oh, but it's RTE though. They kind of let 
ministers they get away with sides. it. They pick their sides. They pick their sides. So her direct quote was, um, it is completely and wholly unsatisfactory where we are now. We spent the last week talking about mother and baby homes where our most vulnerable were left to their own devices in less than satisfactory conditions. And we're now allowing further anxiety and upset to be placed on the shoulders of parents whose children desperately need to go back to school. It's like, can we stop comparing things, like these false <laughs> equivalences? Like, I'm it's... sorry, but there's there's no comparison. Um, do you know, there really, really isn't. Um, you're talking about one of the most horrific things in Irish history. And then you don't just get to use it as a flippant comparison. You don't. No, you, don't you don't get to just throw that in as a comparison, especially after the week that we've just had with the, the newest report oh, coming out. It's so cheap on top of everything else. Could you imagine? Like, like that just brings up a whole different level of hurt for people who have had to endure through the mother and baby home reports. It and just then, shows how tone deaf, deaf she is on both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she but has then, no no like standing in the real world it's literally i'm a politician i'll say something clever and hurt everyone's feelings along the way what the fuck it, it really it really just and then you're there kind of going where exactly like you're the comparison falls do you know you're talking about that we're letting people down but you're there like we have to put their safety first teachers saying teachers are saying it's not that safe i know for my brother who would have um, would it be one of those children that would have been going back to school? He's a lot more susceptible to getting sick. Do you mm-hmm. know? Um, you can they, say that it's a bad idea to send them back to school without comparing it to mother and baby homes. Exactly. <laughs> um, that this is not it. hard. This is like the whole like veganism are like comparing like you know the meat industry to the Holocaust. I'm like, do we have to like compare? Oh my god, I know. Are not the same thing. Oh my god, that vegan teacher on TikTok, whoever the hell she is, like that's exact. That's such a good comparison because she's doing the exact same thing. Like, it just we don't need to compare things. Things are it bad separately from everything. Yeah. Like oh, it just oh, it's, it's pure, pure ignorance. But uh, sorry, I don't know. I I got that's my big political thing of the week that's really mm. just been irking me and she's had to take time out in the doll to apologize for these comments I'm like no these shouldn't be swept under the rug she should literally like she's only been in this position for how long do you know and she's making these comments it shows a level of um basic missing some understanding about what Absolutely. position she's in and the people that she is supposed to be um fighting for you know because we don't have the resources a lot of the time like we don't have enough SNAs uh SNAs are not of, paid properly and all this kind of stuff I know I was just about to say that with the SNAs not being paid properly mm-hmm. yeah like and that that woman that woman is up on the doll every day in her lovely lovely fancy car in her lovely house getting her 100k a year she can't bring a second to listen to the people she's meant to be representing so that she know like that comes from like if if she said those words aloud to anyone that she was trying to represent when saying them, there there would have been there would have been someone would have said mm. ah no yeah, like, exactly like did why no say it like no well she was ripped apart online like after both incidences and I know Aidan O'Riordan, who is the Labour representative for ed- education, 
he's really been very vocal about it since it's happened and saying like this is um the Taoiseach actually needs to step in and uh either talk to her or tell her like she has to resign from that position um and to be honest I'm kind of of the sim of a of a similar thinking because it's <clears throat> it's just too horrific um sorry this is really dark but um in case you didn't know um called the grim reader not the happy reader we read we read books and the government (laughs) (laughs) there it is that's the intro uh, ministers please educate yourself ministers actually could you do your job thanks sorry if uh editing me doesn't manage to like put clips together properly it's because my mom came in to give me painkillers because <laughs> i I've, love her yeah and i really because i've in- really injured my back so oh, no. uh, yeah but i'm fine um <laughs> i've injured my back and i need like strong painkillers but it's fine i know when like when i came on when we were waiting for chloe to join the call just for the first like two minutes um becca was like oh if i grimace like that's what's wrong with me and i was like girl we can reschedule <laughs> me like no i'll continue on I'll flesh for this podcast. i am valiant um, and strong as but a scratch <laughs> anyway let's move on to our books um let's books let's get into it nikki uh you get to guess first <gasps> i'm the chosen one. Oh, she's already sent her photo Ooh. Okay. I am looking at Leave the World Behind by the author Ruman Alam. This is what the big pause was about um editing Rebecca had to deal with because Rebecca is very prepared and needed to double check how to pronounce the author's name. Yeah, because I don't <laughs> want to butcher them. I know, no, that was very thoughtful of you in fairness. Um okay, immediately. And I haven't discerned why I'm getting cult vibes. But let me, first of all, I'll tell you what I'm looking at. Is it because Carmen Maria Machado has never been so profoundly unnerved? No, see, I was getting cult vibes and then I read that. And then I was like, oh my God, it's a cult. Okay, anyway, what I'm looking at is like, now I'm going to, it's like a skin colored book, like my skin, really pale, pinkish. It looks like me in the cold as a book cover um not not a picture of me just the color the you of my skin <laughs> that was very elaborate redo the book is pale peach <laughs> i'm keeping the bit in about the skin <laughs> and uh it's got a big big red font saying leave the world behind and there's a couple of deer and right on the h and the i there's a particular deer that is like he's he's sinister he's very sinister he i don't know the pose is strange and i'm a bit unnerved by him um but this book hmm i think this book is kind of like the shining vibes a tiny bit because I think it's dealing with someone who goes into like an extended period of isolation unrelated to the current pandemic, which we won't talk about. <laughs> I think this man is maybe he's writing a book because uh, that just seems to be why all straight white men go into isolation for some reason. He's writing a book and he goes to the woods and he has a cabin for the winter 
Uh, this is sold to China. <laughs> he has a cabin for the winter. And he decides that he's going to be a man of the lands. He's going to fend for himself for um, a couple of months because he's sick of the world and of society and everything. And he just wants to give himself this time to focus on his book. We love a relatable protagonist. We do, except he's not relatable because he used to be in a big high executive position and have lots of money. So he's pretty privileged to be able to just fuck off to the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To If like, oh, to be a man in the woods, you know, <laughs> um i think like he's kind of like he's trying to be like a hard like wood creature man what ron swanson (laughs) yeah he's trying to be ron swanson and fend for himself but actually man's got cash and man has just bought himself like a trillion dollars worth of like cans that he can just eat with a fork (laughs) because <laughs> he's not allowed to fend for himself all he does is big chop bunker wood. of cans with the lads <laughs> a couple of cans all he does is chop wood and feel like a baddie and like that's not it but anyway he's out in the wilderness writing this book completely detached from society and he's kind of trying to have that breakthrough moment for himself when he could just go to therapy but anyway he is in the woods about a month and a half at this point and he notices at his camp where he's staying this deer is kind of always just kind of standing there and looking at him and then month two there's two deer month three they have multiplied there's three and by month four we're not gone to four deer bitch we're gone to 12 we started cubing you know (laughs) so there's a fuck ton of deer this guy is like um what's going on exactly and one day he decides to follow uh, this sounds like I'm on drugs he decides to follow one of these deer and oh my god why why is this scene so graphic in my mind like I feel like I'm like cinematic I'm on one right okay so stay with me he starts following this deer um and he wanders through the forest and it feels like days and he's kind of disorientated and all of a sudden, the only thing that matters is like following this deer. It's like he has this kind of break where he forgets about anything else in the world. And then what he discovers, what the deer leads him to, is basically a weird deer cult. And they've actually been people all along <laughs> wearing antlers and sacrificing themselves. <laughs> Wait, I was so with so you. So he, <laughs> these people. Done. Wait, wait, I'm not wait. Done. Oh, okay. I have questions. <laughs> to the weird tears of the woods. It's just turned into Riverdale. <laughs> oh my god, it's it. Who is the gargoyle king? <laughs> so yeah, it's basically he thought he was looking at tears this whole time that he was in isolation, but they were actually just weird people with. Were they very, very realistic deer costumes or something? Yeah, they like were... I don't. I think I'd be pretty sure if I saw a person wearing <laughs> antlers in the woods, I'd know it's a person wearing antlers. No, but he's like he's tripping balls. 
<laughs> like, oh now you're just adding to the you're plot. adding to the story now <laughs> no you're no adding. no there's something no no no. these woods there's something with them that in this isolation he is just having these weird visions so when he's seeing people looking in his window and acting extremely strange he's seeing a deer because he's just like tripping <laughs> like naturally it's not like it's not it's kind of one of those like fantastical things where it's like was it isolation drove him mad like in the shining or is it like does he have a paranormal like fifth sense or something at six we have five <laughs> <laughs> like it's his fifth sense because he has no sense of smell <laughs> oh, that's the major twist that's what makes him open to the paranormal <laughs> <laughs> There's room for another sense and he just happens to have it but anyway I think so like I'm going to summarize because this is a lot <laughs> but I'm like really like I'm really in like I, I I believe in this story I think it could be real <laughs> so to summarize this man goes to the woods to write his novel he's isolated he's like extremely wealthy so doesn't have the real problems of a person in the woods he's just got loads and loads of food reserved that can last him the winter so our guy starts seeing weird deer eventually follows the deer oh it's a human sacrificial cult the end obviously <laughs> like clearly but it's that whole thing of like the shining when he's just kind of slowly going demented how okay. weak um <laughs> wait you had questions let's let's yeah, that was my question was like <laughs> were they wearing deer costumes were they like what was going on like how did he not know that these were humans <laughs> that he was looking at um Rebecca they were extremely convincing furries <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I wanted to ask that's the f I, word I was trying to avoid <laughs> I think that's our title <laughs> oh no no <laughs> Extreme, ex- <laughs> extremely, extremely, like, what's the word? Like, dedicated furries, you know? No, that like, can't animatronic be costumes. But to be honest, I don't think they did. Like, I think they were fairly shitty costumes, but this man was, his his fifth sense was just... So it's just like when they go into that room in the convent in Riverdale. Yeah, but you know, you know what it's like? Do you know when the Joker... When I haven't seen the joke. Like, okay, well, mm, maybe I shouldn't use this reference. Can I think of another one? It's kind of like in a TV show where this character has been introduced the whole time as a friend of the protagonist. Da, 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 and then all of a sudden you get the plot twist at the end and it replays all the scenes of the characters yes. talking to them and they were never there. Yeah. So yeah. it's like we see these deer for the whole movie and then at the very end they're actually just strange people with sticks on their heads and that's what he's been looking at and communicating with this whole time. Oh, see, yeah. if they're wearing costumes, I kind of say that maybe he just had really terrible eyesight and needed glasses <laughs> and he was seeing these fuzzy things in the in the like distance. Said, fifth like, sense. We don't know what the missing sense It was sense the Speckleys. <laughs> it was it was really just he needed glasses um, anyway um this is not about a deer cult <laughs> um so it isn't I'm so um, surprised. Why is it? yeah I, well, I have to say i did kind of get invested in nikki's story <laughs> um some of the vibes might be right but it's it's not about a cult um 
so this was published in 2020, I think in October 2020. Um, so it's one of the more recent books I read. Um, so it tells the story of two families. So first up, we have Amanda and Clay um, and their two children. Um, they're going on holiday and they are going to this remote part of Long Island. Um, it's really described as like the middle of nowhere. Um, so typical, like I'm just thinking rural Ireland where like, there's nothing like around and bad things happen and bad things happen <laughs> so anyway uh they rented this beautiful house um and it's it's i think they say it's like an hour away from the hamptons so they're like we kind of have this location they're all about like striving to be up there with the you know rich and famous kind of thing um but they don't they don't have that kind of money um so their first day of the holiday is described as like really idyllic um you know there's a swimming pool all that kind of stuff and it's paradise so that is then interrupted that night by a knock on the front door and um it's actually at the door is the owners of the house ruth and gh um, they're older and they're wealthy. Um, so they've, after arriving... What does GH stand for? You will find out. Oh my God, patience. <gasps> oh my God, it's a flat twist. It's just giving me like reverse Rocky Horror vibes so far. Yeah, it's um, his His name is George. His name is George. Um, I George can't Harrison? The, no, I can't remember what the H is. He's um, been the Beatles the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Uh, so they have arrived um, after fleeing New York um, in panic. Um, they wanted to go to their house um, where they would feel safe, which understandable. I would totally be the same if something was going on. So in New York, there's this sudden blackout that has swept the city Ooh. and um, they don't know what's going on. And they wanted to get out of the city before things might happen. So Clay and Amanda, but in particular Amanda, are incredibly distrustful of them. They don't believe them. Um, they're like, but we still have power and all this kind of stuff. And that's kind of something that I've always been like, you're you're in a different area. Do you know you're very far outside the city? <laughs> Chloe, it's like that meme when it's like <laughs> the one that you sent me there when it's like America, we need to save the world. And then it's, <laughs> it's a globe with just More a, than North Long America Island exists. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Amanda assumes that they're potentially burglars or something at the start and like they're hiding behind a wall and things like that and, you know, grabbing like a candlestick or something to protect themselves. Um, like she really believes that there's something sinister going on. Um, and are we getting sinister vibes from her alone or is... Um, not really. It's just kind of they're like who would arrive in the middle of the night like, and she's like, I didn't even hear a car or things like that. So they oh come in. Oh my god, it's the silent Tesla. They come in and uh they tell them what's after happening in New York, and Amanda just doesn't want to believe them at all. She goes off to check on the kids and she's checking her phone, and um the one thing she sees is like a, an alert pop up for, on her phone saying that there was a blackout in New York, and then her reception and everything is gone. So they're asking them, look, we know it's your holiday and you've rented the house, but we really want to stay here. Um, we we just don't want to go back and things like that. And this is like a huge discussion. They offer them a lot of money, like return the money that they spent and offer them extra um, that there's a room downstairs. Like it is, it sounds like 
a very, very, very luxurious house. Um, they've got a whole like basement downstairs that they've converted into like another bedroom and walk-in closet and all that kind of stuff. They were like, we'll stay down there. You can stay in the rooms, things like that. Um, so what it kind of hints at the whole time um, is that there is something going on in the world and the author never really uncovers it you're kind of left guessing like they immediately think that maybe it's a terrorist attack um then they think okay is there some kind of pandemic going on um triggered is there some war and it's it's really kind of this form of crisis is going on in america and they don't know so they really have to just band together and things like that so they end up all staying there and it's really told in the span of oh, only a few days, like, and a lot happens. Um, so it's kind of one of those books that like the, the time of it being published um, is very interesting because you're there kind of going like, we're living in a pandemic right now. Like we are kind of trapped in our houses um, and things like that. It's, it, it was a bit uncomfy to read. <laughs> Is um, it that whole thing of like that kind of isolation makes you crazy? No. Um, okay. I was just getting that vibe from the title. In in each character, you see how they deal with this differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first few, I kind of the, the first days, I'm trying to figure out what's going on and like what to tell the children and things like that. The deer come into it because the daughter sees like this massive amount of deer. Like she was like in the thousands. Now, is outside. she sure that they're not people wearing very convincing? We're very sure. We're, we're <laughs> very sure. Was okay. it maybe left to the reader's discretion? No. I mean, it could be. I'm I'm just, no. Um, like it could be. You don't know no. this. Um, so she sees this massive amount of deer and for me what I took from that um, like they're you know fleeing whatever the area they obviously animals respond to things much quicker than humans so maybe they sense something but um, yeah interesting the author um, was writing this before any news of the pandemic like anything before COVID um, manifestation yeah it was really interesting um, but yeah it's it's a very uncomfortable read I'd say in that form because of what we're going through now yes we have a lost power or our phone reception or wi-fi like they can't check anything and that kind of stuff um, so the author doesn't focus on what's going on outside the world. He purely focuses what's going on in this house. So you can obviously tell like it's, it gets really, really intense at times with this very buried um, background for both people. Um, and kind of talking about like, what would we do a normal person in this kind of situation? And really what they focus on is that they don't really do anything they're so kind of panicked and like trying to convince themselves that everything's okay that you know they're like we just stay in the house we'll be fine do you know um real very real, real. which is, is it's kind of understandable um and as well it's kind, that kind of, of lovely it's there, it's really refreshing when a book doesn't feel like it has to resolve a crisis because like it is out of control it is but it, it's kind of uncomfortable that you don't know what's going on at all mm. do you know um like there's no relief from that and it, it is it's it's good because it leaves that kind of sense of suspension and kind of 
anxiety there when you're reading it because you're like I don't know is there bombing going on is there do you know so there's literally um, not a hint if it's an environmental crisis a human crisis they they make a few references to like planes going off from the government so you're like okay maybe it is a war um and things like that but like it's never like it's only hints that like they don't know what's going on it, it, it's really <laughs> kind of like okay um like what would you describe like what kind of genre is it like it, it I would it say it's like a horror but like it's more really. bordering towards the horror to be honest really? okay um which I didn't think it would be when I started reading I know, it the, the cover is like on like the cover is sinister looking but I didn't think it would be scary I don't find it sinister no I don't know there's a vibe on it I um, didn't find it sinister until I read the little review at the top yeah. I immediately that color on our like it the cover unnerved me like but, uh, the color of it and that deer above the h and the i and behind i don't find that sinister look but, at him again he's mean no it was only <laughs> when you pointed it out that i was like huh I w- like literally that would not have phased me at all yeah no it's how, how i just looked at it that pale color background is just i don't know so it's kind of um what he focuses on is really having these strangers forced together and how they respond to each other. So it kind of almost reads like a social experiment um, because they're very different. Um, now, what I didn't mention was that George and Ruth are black and Amanda and Clay's initial response to them arriving and seeing that they're black oh, no. is not good. Um, Amanda in particular we see more from her viewpoint than anybody else I find and she immediately assumes that either they're criminals <gasps> yes um, Love that. that they're the handyman or that Ruth is the maid oh and, my yeah so uh, yeah racial stereotypes and it's really disgusting. She even says that, you know, how could black people afford this kind of house? Oh my God. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, she makes she makes a lot of racial um, comments um, at the start of the book. And like, I immediately got really angry. <laughs> I was there like, oh, sweet Jesus. Um, do you know? So it's, it is, it's really difficult. And like seeing how, George and Ruth, they adapt their behavior um, to try and not start arguments or to make them feel more comfortable, Amanda and Clay. And you're like, this is your house. Do you know? Um, mm. I'm sorry. What is wrong with this? You know, and she she never, she doesn't really trust them. And like, it leads to a lot of kind of underlying tension that they don't have an outright argument But instead, this kind of passive aggression can be shown kind of through um, doing the washing up after dinner or cooking meals or like doing the laundry. Um, It just sounds so tense. (laughs) It it does. It is. It's really uncomfortable and tense. And knowing uh, Amanda's viewpoint as well, how she views them at the start, it's really uncomfortable. And she's not understanding that they're older. You know, they're at that stage in life where, you know, things would scare them a lot more. And they're going somewhere where they just want to feel safe and just away from maybe where the horror points will be. Do you know? And that's kind of like, oh, my God, could you not have any kind of empathy? Do you know her first point is that they're criminals? 
it just it really makes me really really angry um but yeah it, it, it's that that really rubs me up the wrong way and like George and Ruth they're probably they were both my favorite characters in the book um mm-hmm. I kind of wish we got to know them a little bit better I find that the viewpoint is very much on Amanda and Clay's family um but we learn little bits about them George has a very good job um he's very good at it it's kind of in the financial world um so he's really focused on finding he wants some newspaper or something to see what the finance side of everything says because he said you can always predict when something's going to happen um which kind of true maybe with stocks and things like that um Ruth is uh she used to work in a former private school in New York um as a secretary I think so when Amanda hears this she's like oh maybe I'll I'll be a little bit friendlier and she can help me get my kids in to the school bitch yeah you're like oh is this the reason we're gonna be polite and civil no Mm -hmm. uh you should have been like that from the start um so um Ruth's worried about her daughter um who's living who's in New York and she's just focusing on that she can't contact her and she doesn't know what's going on and her twin grandsons and things like that um and like this whole concern that she never opens up to the others about Andrew they're kind of going like Amanda doesn't have any kind of empathy or compassion for what they might be going through she's just focusing on her own life um and maybe that's kind of a commentary on what some people would react to in that kind of situation you know focusing purely on Mm -hmm. protecting themselves and their family um but yeah um so it's told mostly from Amanda's viewpoint I found now maybe if I reread it I'd maybe see a little bit more but maybe it's because Amanda irked me so much yeah I know I just found that her chapters stayed more clearly in my mind yeah um she is yeah I I didn't really like I didn't like her um I just found that I just wanted someone to have a full-on argument with her and confront her about what she says or like not even spell some tension please yeah um so eventually the whole there's things that happen through it you know um clay goes out to try and find out what's going on but he gets lost and he doesn't want to admit it to anybody and he just says like no i couldn't find anything blah 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 so there's this all this kind of like development of each character of kind of like I, I don't know they they you can see them unraveling as the book goes on um and the only people that kind of stay sane are the kids really because they aren't told what's going on um and like the kids are 12 and 15 oh yeah they're so you're like younger when you said that yeah. yeah they're at the age where like if I was that age my parents would tell me do you know um and also I'd probably have figured something's not right myself. Well, the kids know that's the thing. The kids actually are handling this situation way better huh. and are kind of, um, they go off exploring into the woods and things like that. Good for um, them. But the it does. had no school and they were loving it. <laughs> <laughs> it does get um, kind of progressively worse as you go on. Some things do happen and it's kind of like, oh, this this doesn't sound good um like I can't reference it um 
but it, it's kind of like all of a sudden you're like, oh, this sounds a lot more serious. Like, is it a pandemic? It was something released into the environment that is going to make them sick. Um, it, it just suddenly gets very, very grim towards the end. Um, what I would it sounded say, like a walk in the park. Before yeah. <laughs> what I would say is you are you're waiting a very long time for things to happen. Like when I started off the book, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, it's a very it's actually quite a small book. Um, I was thinking oh. I was like you can only get away with like building an atmosphere for so long it's 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 a it's a very small book I was waiting for ages for something to happen um like I was I was expecting like I would find out what's going on in the world and seeing their reaction to that or that but it's really just about suspense mm-hmm. and these characters um so yeah I would say for some people maybe that wouldn't happen from what reviews I read that was kind of one of the points some people were talking about was that you're like you're just waiting and then you get to the end of the book and you're like oh yeah there's kind of no payoff mm. yeah what I would say is maybe I didn't enjoy the book as much because of what we're going through at the moment that's the th- I wanted to ask you that like do you think you'd enjoy this book more if you read it in like 2018 <laughs> yeah I think I would I think I definitely would but it just left me so uncomfortable and almost panicked at the end mm. do you know it, it really does um like it's very well written it really is and it does put you on edge but it was one that I just didn't enjoy reading because of our that current so global fair. situation um so yeah it's it's one of those ones that just I think if I read it at a different time absolutely but I just find it so interesting that this was written before COVID happened like so even a hint of it it was trying written to before. promote this during pandemic times well just... the thing is though this was actually it wasn't supposed to be released um in 2020 they pushed the release forward um yeah it was like there was a seven-way oh. bidding war on this book and oh it God. was released I early this, this sounds really cinematic like it just I think it would lend itself really well to like a three-part well actually it's (gasps) I think it's been picked up by Netflix of course I think it's been picked up by Netflix and it's going to um Denzel Washington has apparently signed on oh now with Denzel Washington they're actually a reference to him in the book because um George's surname is George Washington and um Amanda's tone deaf response to that like oh. halfway through the book is like oh my god are you related to George Washington the president like haha and then she's like oh what about Denzel Washington and you're like oh Amanda yeah it's like really tone deaf we're not a fan da. no but, we're not um, yeah it's I don't know I'd probably give it maybe a six out of ten I, I just I think it's probably because of the time I read it, I didn't enjoy it as much. I think um, as well, it probably got pushed forward because imagine reading this when we're all jaded from COVID mm. and we're just out of it. Yeah, it wouldn't. This it probably be the wouldn't last do as thing well. We're going to want to pick up. But yeah. um, but the author, um, he's really interesting. His his website. I loved the photo that he uses for his about me section. It's actually him feeding his son. Oh, I want to um, see. I want to see. I think his oh, son or daughter. Um, 
So Ruman Alam is an American author of Bangladeshi origin. Um, he studied writing at Oberlin College and lives in New York with his husband and two children. Um, and this is his third book. His other two, there's Rich and Pretty and then That Kind of Mother. Sorry, I just saw the pit. I love isn't it. Isn't it wonderful? So I, I think, and he even puts a description of like when the photo was taken. That's such um, a great photo. And oh I just God, think it gives a it. completely different view of the author. Oh, um, oh, I have it. Yeah, oh. I, I really loved that. It kind of gives this completely different sense of him, like his home life and like, a, a bit more of his personality. I just and he, warm. Yeah, and I, the thing oh. is, he looks really tired as well. <laughs> um, and I'm like, parenthood, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's really, really lovely. I, I just thought like such a snapshot into like his actual life that you know it was just really heartwarming to see um but he's also a co-host of two podcasts um for slate so i really actually must look into it he sounds he sounds really interesting like i wouldn't mind reading his other books Mm. and seeing maybe um they're slightly different um i just think this one being kind of an end of the world kind of book just didn't sit well with me at the moment but yeah um, that's so fair and I don't think I'll be rushing out to buy it for that reason yeah it's it's one that um but yeah he seems like a really um lovely author and just I just loved his website and like seeing that his husband and two children I was like I like you it's just that's such a great photo I love it so much yeah and I'm like if you ever hear this podcast and me kind of only giving your book six out of ten please know that it was nothing purely because of the situation that I'm living through and you really got me really panicked at the end which shows how good of a writer he was because he made me feel that by reading the book so um yeah just sounds like a lovely lovely man and um yeah and he just seems really nice in interviews as well um so yeah I really like him we do stand for you Roman yeah so yeah that is my that is my book this week um, a different one okay I'm sending it in now I've edited out a, a, a review but um Ooh. you can't even tell where it was so <laughs> I'm very pleased okay it's very um conversation with friends <laughs> yeah yeah isn't about. it I'm gonna not have I'm gonna have to pick a different story to what I picked with conversation with friends and I alert you to something I learned this week which is relevant um have you seen that TikTok trend going around like you know what movie trope like what trope did you discover and once you discovered it you can't unsee oh, yeah. it and everything you watch someone said this and it's ruined my life I really wish I could get this fact out of my head so I just have to share it sorry <laughs> uh, there are only 36 plots what? there are only 36 plot points that exist they come from Greek drama um, and like I'll give you an example like they're broad enough to encapsulate everything including the deer people no Inclu- let's I'll have to find that one but like you know like number one supplication two deliverance three crime pursued by vengeance and it gives you like a list of the characters and an example there's like a whole it's a wikipedia um article called the 36 dramatic situations this has ruined me forever um pursuit disaster um falling prey to cruelty or misfortune revolt daring enterprise abduction the enigma like but to be honest they are very broad 
super broad, it's but like there should like, be more than 36, right? There should be more than 36. Really, but it's kind of like mapping out feelings. Like there's not that many feelings either. Girl, you had a list of like 70 something emotions. Yeah, but I could I could be really broad and I could like you could like harvest it down to like unwell, which could be sick and happy and or which could be sick and sad and whatever. And then you could have like elated which is all of the excited, positive emotions. Do you know what I mean? You can kind of round it down. Oh, there sh- there has to be more than 36 but there is for a story. Because there's like combinations of them as well. Yeah, if you think all, about combinations together, we give you a lot. There's one neat list that yeah. all come from ancient Greek drama. This, this isn't really... Busting. I'm kind of like, 36 is actually quite a lot to me. <laughs> I'm shook over it. I'm absolutely shook. And I feel like now that I know this information, everything I read, I'm going to consult the list. <laughs> um, a new thing that we're going to have to add on is like, we'll consult the list and see where it falls on this 36 plot point. Ah, um, uh, yes. Fatal imprudence. I just think anything can be that fake. Yeah. Uh, right. I have got Beach Read by Emily Henry. Um, okay. So it's actually a really attractive cover. It's kind of that lovely mustard yellow background beach read is in a lovely big um font and it's white so it stands out really clearly and there are two people on towels on a beach obviously um so there's a guy um had a lovely red striped towel like it's so so vivid um and he i think he's reading um and then there is a woman in a swimming costume on a lovely blue flowery towel with kind of you can tell she's doing something. She's either reading or checking her phone, but there's a notebook beside her and it looks like she's been writing. Um, so yeah, um, what I do love is that you can't see their faces. Like they are, like it's taken from like an Anonymous. aerial snapshot view, you know, of, from above. So oh, the way that a novel is written on her hat is really cool. It's cute. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that. Um, so, okay. Um, hmm. I'm going to say that this is, hmm, where will I go? Immediately when I saw the cover, I don't know why, but I just thought Benidorm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. And I'm like, hmm, I'd rather pick a nicer place <laughs> maybe. Um, but I'm going to say that these two people are on holiday um, and they don't know each other. Um, I think the guy is maybe um, Irish and he's on like a lad's holiday. Um, And like, he's the one that's getting up early in the morning and going to the beach and just like relaxing. He's not like the other boys. He's not like the other guys. And he's, um, yeah, he kind of gets frustrated at them that they don't get up until like four o'clock in the afternoon and they've wasted most of the day. Um, And like, they're just obsessed with like going out drinking and things like that. Um, like he's a, the much more serious guy out of the group. Um, like he's brought a bunch Beam of books. Me up, soft boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's brought a bunch of books to read and things like that. Um, and he's gone exploring and thing and stuff. Um, the girl then I'm gonna say that she is. Hmm, I'm kind of getting British in my head. I don't know why. Um, and she is kind of she's gone on holidays with her family um 
and she's kind of embarrassed to be seen with them, you know, because of her age. She's like, I shouldn't be going on holidays with my family anymore. I should be going on holidays with my friends. And this inner kind of thing of like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing when you're like, once you hit a certain age, you're like, oh, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like the 17 year old thing where you like walk through the city, like, you know, 10 yeah. steps ahead of your family. I know. I'm um, a serious local. Um, <laughs> but, so she's, she's kind of sitting away from her family every day when they're at the beach and um, like, they don't bring anything up. They're just like, look, she'll get over it eventually. But like, it is kind of hurting them. So she goes down and like, I'd say she's actually going to be on her phone. Like she's checking, she's really into social media. She's checking her Instagram, her followers, her TikTok, her TikTok, her Twitter, all that kind of stuff and updating that like several times a day. And like, she's obsessed with image and how she looks. Um, Hence why she's in the swimsuit, you know, whereas he's just in a t-shirt and shorts. Um, So they're nearly always sitting really close together. They get up really early to go down because she wants her early like sunrise um, Snapchats um, and things like that to send off to her friends. Um, And he just wants to get down to get a nice spot on the beach before it gets too busy. Um, So they end up sitting like usually kind of, in the same area and um he's kind of annoyed at her it's kind of telling it from the two points of view he's kind of annoyed that like she's not enjoying really where she is and like she's just on her phone the whole time like not even kind of taking in the scenery or you know relaxing like she's just she could be doing this at home do you know whereas and then she's annoyed because like he's constantly like looking over at her and like she immediately thinks like oh he finds me attractive <laughs> where you're, you're like oh, and he clearly not he could have a problem with women doing their own thing at home as well let's remember that it could be um <laughs> let's not assume the best of this fella let's no, not assume no, no. so she makes these assumptions and you know she starts trying to be like really flirting and things like that and he's even then even more kind of like oh dear god she's really self-obsessed so um eventually they actually meet um and I think it's probably on a night out she's out with her family at a restaurant and he's never seen her with the family so he doesn't know he thinks she's there and it could be a similar situation the friends don't get up or whatever um and he sees her with the family and he's out with the guys and he's looking after somebody who's really drunk and um the guy starts harassing his drunk friend starts harassing her and immediately he feels really protective and he jumps in and he goes no um how dare you I apologize so much that was so wrong of him to do um I'm really sorry if that made you uncomfortable I'm a nice e-boy I'd never do that (laughs) I'd never do that and he's like um like is there anyone you want me to like contact for you so you're not on your own after this and her family then comes out of the restaurant and like she cuts him off like I don't want them to know and he's like okay so um like he gives your man crap for doing it and I'm like yeah that's how men should like respond when a guy does that to a woman so anyway the next day at the beach then um she can't find him and she's like okay he's avoiding me um after this situation but it's actually that I think um there's something else going on um the friend got 
like blood poisoning because <laughs> of the you know alcohol in her head, his stomach <laughs> pumped and all that kind of stuff. So she doesn't see him the next day and the day it's after. It's a cautionary that. tale. And it's yeah. not about you, girl on the beach. So yeah, she she kind of is just like mm. so. Eventually, on the third day, he's finally there, and he sits further away from her, and she's like, okay. So eventually she goes over and talks to him and says, thank you for that. Um, and stuff like that. And starts kind of putting down her family that like, oh, look, I'm on a family holiday and stuff like that. And he kind of talks to her and kind of says like, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Do you know, I'd rather be here with my family than looking after my six friends that are with me kind of thing like that. So eventually they start talking and they get to know each other a little bit more. And she's kind of saying, look, I'm, I want to kind of go into being an influencer that's why I'm on my phone so much and like she's like it's not really working for me and he's like okay and has a look at it for her and things like that and gives her advice of like maybe making it a little bit more personal what she writes and she's like you're always reading like why and he's like oh I'm kind of studying to be a writer myself so it kind of talks to them about their different interests and I'd say it kind of starts off platonic I don't know I'm kind of saying that it leaves it ends open-ended you know, we don't really know. Yeah. Just, just something. Just go home from her summer romance. She leaves and she's like, like in the airport, about to go, and all <laughs> of a sudden she hears a voice and she turns around and the book ends. Um, but <laughs> um, the way it kind of comes in with kind of it being a beach read is them kind of reading each other's characters and kind of finally understanding each other for filth that it's yeah they started off by like really kind of not really liking each other because they were really different and then them come under kind of eventually understanding their situations and kind of seeing the other person's viewpoint and how that kind of responds so yeah um interesting so i think it ends open-ended kind of that kind of like it doesn't have to always be a romance yeah you know Hmm. but yeah that's that's my guess a long-winded one but it was my guess okay interesting i love it so beach read by emily henry was published this year oh it's gonna be super grim i can just tell the thing it's about two writers um named augustus and january and can i just say off the bat i hate their names so much yeah already as soon as you said augustus i'm just seeing augustus gloop I just oh, I, I the fault in our stars. <laughs> oh, oh no, I saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> That's fair. I, I just have an image of him with a cigarette. Like, it's a why metaphor. are they both months of the year? <laughs> I know. I hate it. I hate. They're like such like you know like fan fiction names or something. I just I can't deal. But um, they're polar opposites of each other. So uh, January moves to Michigan. Um, and she's in her dad's old house on the beach um, where she's, she's a romance writer and she's trying to write her next novel and she has a serious case, case of writer's block and she just can't get past it and so she's kind of trying she's get, making her way around the new town she's in um, she like you know goes to the local bookshop and then the bookshop finds out about her and it's like oh you should do a signing la 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 you should join the book club um, everything like that and so she does, but she gets wind that this um, kind of former rival of hers is also living in the town, Augustus. And Augustus seems to be this kind of like Jonathan Franzen, kind of like, you know, the great American writer kind of vibe. Like he wrote the last great American novel, basically. And 
um we find out like all his links to the town like they actually went to college together but she was like he didn't even know I existed um so then they kind of have these awkward run-ins like there's this horrifically awkward scene at, at a book club and she gets kind of too drunk at it and like he has to drop her home and it's it's very hard to read but uh, basically he he's trying to write his next book as well and like you know there's so much pressure from the success of his last book that he's having a lot of trouble writing this and now this is where my issues come up <laughs> um, because in all the pro all the promos for this book it says like at the end like everyone writes a book in the end and nobody falls in love and I was like oh so we have like you know a beach read love story with a twist oh interesting and like while I devour basically let me explain the rest of the book before I go off on a tangent <laughs> um, so they challenge each other to write in each other's writing style like he challenges her to write like you know this kind of heavy gritty American novel and she challenges him to you know like embrace the, the, the sweet side that like you know romance novels are really great and they're their own art of writing and they've been to you on the beach exactly like Emily Henry is a like um a young adult fiction and like romance novel writer so she's kind of writing from that perspective she's very defensive of like romance as a genre that it's not just like Mills and Boone like stuff she like she's like you know this is a credible genre and like it's important and these stories should be told because everyone needs a bit of happiness and mm -hmm. even though she's really miserable at the time and that's why she's finding it so hard to write but it has everything. It has, you know, awkward encounters in bookshops. It has sex. It has death cults. There's a death oh, cult twist. Dear people. So, um, yeah, they end up kind of like bonding. They, they don't get involved in the death cult. That's, this is just, it's just, it's genuinely a side note. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the whole documenting of them, like, you know, getting to know each other more and kind of opening up to each other because he's you know your classic like emotionally unavailable like you know like I'm so wounded by my parents relationship as a child and I just I just can't like don't date me I'm a mess um and like I don't think I need to tell you at this point that like all the promos for this book were a lie of course they fall in love <laughs> like, like I like I read a review for this book and it says when a man tells you he's terrible dating material believe him <laughs> and that sums up this book for me like I really enjoyed this book it was really fun it was really like like it wasn't totally sunshine and happiness the whole way through um and like it is kind of marketed that way that this is a love story with a twist and like the twist is the death cult not that they don't fall in love like stop misselling this book mm. like it's 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 fun and like you know like she's like she's self-aware of the whole kind of like I'm a romance author thing the whole time mm -hmm. and like I do like that but like it's trying to be like you know the anti-romance novel and it's not like it, it is I actually found I found where on the 37 plots it lands <laughs> oh hold on <laughs> an enemy loved the allied lover and hater have diametrically opposed attitudes towards the oh no towards the beloved enemy no no it's not that it's obstacles to love two lovers face an obstacle together mm. other examples include Romeo and Juliet <laughs> but see that is vague but yeah it's 
it's fun. Like it's a really nice book. I read, I devoured it, and like it's really well written. Um, and I feel like that's always the criticism we have when we're talking about like books we don't really love. It's like you know, it's well but, written, but <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, like I think if you have one of the two, you can make it through a book. But when you exactly. don't have either, it's not happening. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it, it is very, very readable. Like, and it is a perfect, like, summary read. I read it, like, I read it, I think, like, maybe in August or September. Um, And it was really just out and there was, like, a good bit of hype around it. And, yeah, it's really enjoyable. But, like, it's, it, it's, it's just a kind of another romance novel. Like, it's not, like, it's, it's trying to be this whole like I'm different and you're not (laughs) you're a book (laughs) about an emotionally stunted man and you know like an idealistic woman who fall in love against the odds and I'm like that's literally every romance novel it's kind of like being a white girl who's into dream catchers like there's a lot of them (laughs) that's the the thing like I I don't know I think it's just because I went in expecting something kind of subversive like because it looks very like conversations with friends and stuff that like you know that there's this like dark undercurrent to it and like it isn't a romance novel even though it kind of gives that vibe when you look at it I don't know that it's going to be like a beachy straightforward romance and this kind of is and also it's in Michigan and the weather isn't that great (laughs) (laughs) like what's the timeline the timeline is over a summer (gasps) Greece yeah summer it happened so fast summer love (laughs) also I I feel like you know someone is going to make a movie out of this at some point and the only image I have in my mind like so clearly this doesn't happen to me that often because I just have no visual imagination (laughs) like it's 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 mad um but have we all watched it's Greek yes yes Mott Oh, that is who I see, like, you know, the ruggedly handsome. Like, oh, my God. That years. just he just clicks in there, doesn't he? Doesn't he? he? Yeah. I have no idea what she looks like, but I know that he has to be cast. No, she looks like um, Alexis. Is that her name? Yeah, Alexis. She looks Alexis. like her. Like she looks like her. Yeah, I, that's well, no, I see. in Rebecca's version, it's Alexis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. In my version, no, I'm seeing for Augustus. I'm kind of seeing this like tall, lanky kind of like. No, no, Augustus is nerd. Bit. No, I'm seeing um, handsome. No, I'm, I'm, like seeing, I'm not saying he's not handsome. I'm just saying like, I'm not seeing they're like rugged like. No, the book is quite clear about that. Who, who else am I seeing? He's he's built. I I'm I'm very very visual when I'm listening to things. I can see a person. And there's a problem when I can't. And there was another actor I was thinking of for him. It might come to me. Paul Meskell. No. No, I no, no. Was Paul Meskell for your version. He's too young. Yeah, yeah, it was Paul Meskell. <laughs> <laughs> like there is no other actor to play that role. He's just a lad. He's a lad on holiday, but like he's not like the other lads. He's not like the other lads. <laughs> he's a chain. I think he's Matt Damon with a beard. Matt Damon with the, for for the actual book. Yeah, really. No, I think I, he's actually that age. I think he's a no. bit older than her. No, I, I'm it's, not it's not actually clear it. about his age. I don't think. Um, he, but he has like a bit of a past, you know. So maybe. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, no, it is the guy. It is the guy from Schitt's Creek. Like ultimately, that's him. Like I don't. Every single 
thing about him in the book just made me think like yeah that's him every detail that came up I was like that that is Mott <laughs> um so I don't know what that actor's name is but that it, you're hired <laughs> <laughs> but like it's really fun like it's it's really steamy like it's a proper good holiday read but I wasn't on holidays I just wanted to be on holidays. oh I know <laughs> I didn't want to be in Michigan that much I'm not gonna lie um I've never I've never gone damn I wish I was in Michigan <laughs> I mean like I'd like to go on the lakes and stuff <laughs> it seems nice but it doesn't seem like holiday destination and like it's not really in the book either she's there for a reason that I won't give away um but like you know there's a bit of like you know emotional depth to it and stuff um so like it's not totally fluffy but I kind of wish it was <laughs> <laughs> very fair what what is it out of 10 I can't decide because like I'm trying to weigh up how much I enjoyment I enjoyed it with like how good it is you know um, but, but no no go with what you enjoyed I'm stuck between a five and a six. Oh, that's lower oh. than I thought yeah a lot lower I than I thought six. I was thinking six and seven then as I was talking I was like no no <laughs> um like I really like, enjoyed it I don't want you to feel guilty about this I you know I'm gonna go with the six like I really did enjoy I, I like that's the thing it was enjoyable but there was a lot that annoyed me about it as well mm, I, I, I felt fair. slighted by it you know like I was like don't pretend to sell me one thing and send me another <laughs> just say what you are it's all right yeah. that you're not a total game changer just address that I think mm. I think with the it really is mad how much of an effect Sally Rooney has had yeah that's the everyone wants like the bit of edge she's powerful beyond words like she kind of is where jk rowling was but mm-hmm. like probably higher like not not monetary wise but she's made a real impact Huge on impact. readers and like and we what we want from books every episode and we're not yeah. even sally rooney stands that's the thing like you know she's such an important figure now and like you know you can't when you read a book that is a, ro- a kind of romance with a twist you think Sally Rooney yeah and like the pedestal point is well for me the pedestal point is conversations with friends and I know for most people it's normal people but it's the way she writes it is just like regardless of which story you prefer the way she delivers it to you is immaculate it's brilliant she's such an excellent writer and you just it's so hard to like read another book on a vaguely similar theme and not compare it like you know when yeah. example times came out it was immediately is Nisha Dolan the new Sally Rooney yeah like, you know is everyone the new Sally Rooney no Sally <laughs> Rooney's the new Sally Rooney she has a new book coming out <laughs> what that's 20 that's the August, that's September September okay. uh, but yeah interesting no it's I yeah I expect you to give it a higher but then I'm kind of like look there's a lot that you didn't really seem to enjoy with it that's the um, thing and like I'm a bit bored of the whole like damaged man thing <laughs> I I just think like I would pick up a book about a man going to therapy and becoming a better person not because a woman had to like cry her eyes out for like <laughs> 20 chapters to fix him literally <laughs> and like it is, it is a classic like sure he's a bit of a fixer-upper but he's hot <laughs> good in bed <laughs> 
Oh, like it's that, that song in Frozen has completely changed now. <laughs> Those dancing upper, trolls are just like bed. he's a bit of a fixer upper, but he's hot. He's in bed. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, but like that is just like to be honest, girl. Add add plot number thirty seven instead of just the thirty six. It's like women fixing men. <laughs> I'm sure it's there. I'm gonna find it. Okay, I'm gonna send in my photo. Oh, when you. Because when you said that you were thinking of doing Darkly Dreaming Dexter, I was like, surely that's not like Dexter's in the TV show Dexter. But it is. It is. It yeah, is. no, I I was surprised when Chloe said that she didn't know this book. But anyway, you haven't, like, I still want your opinion on what you think this is about. Even if you have a little bit of an insight to what it is. I know nothing about Dexter, except I can picture one of the covers of the DVDs. And it's like him in like an all white like Tennessee looking outfit with like covered in blood, and he's yeah. smiling like. Oh. Yeah, um, and to be honest, with the with the title cover, like immediately you're gonna know, you're gonna like, know a lot of the story. This is a slasher book. Um, <laughs> this is a slasher, and like, I know we, I think we keep coming back to this, but I'm just gonna regurgitate the plot of American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did last time. Like this is a highly intelligent man and he is in like the upper crust of society like you know as in like you know he plays doubles tennis on the weekends with Charlotte from Sex and the City and like (laughs) that's just the vibe. I feel like he's kind of like Trey from Sex and the City. Did did you watch Sex and the City? Yeah so Megan knows what I'm on about. You know like Trey he's played by um, Kyle MacLachlan and like he's upper crust and he seems like the perfect man and he loves her so much but like he's really weird behind it all and he's really really uncomfortable (laughs) and I don't like it and I feel like it's that guy but like homicidal um (laughs) instead of the deep mother issues yeah he's homicidal I'm sure he probably has mommy issues as well but like I feel like this guy, he do- he doesn't care. Like, because I was thinking, I was like, oh, maybe he could be like, you know, haunted by these horrible dreams and that, like, compels him, f- propels mm. him forward to, like, you know, commit all these murders. But I don't think so. I don't think this guy has like a soul or a conscience. I think <laughs> so. A true psychopath. I think he's a true psychopath. Yeah. Um. And... Oh, so- really quick sidebar. Do we think a true psychopath exists? Yes. I'd love an, a yes. whole a whole deep dive into this. That oh. would be great. No, because Becca is going to be like, no. Yeah, one day. Okay, one we'll day. circle back. I think this guy's a true <laughs> psychopath. I'm thrown off by the jacket, though. Um, I don't know why I'm thrown off by the jacket. I, I'm expecting this guy to be suited and booted the whole time, and he's wearing this kind of like wet look leather ja- leather jacket. It's no, kind of hard to tell. I'm kind of getting eighties vibes, of like. He's kind of into Top Gun. He's got the, the yeah, leather jacket, <laughs> the jeans, the sunglasses. He's like, I'm going to fit in even if I, I don't have any that. feelings or emotions. Because that's the thing. I feel like if he was up across the side. Oh, maybe this is a prequel. Maybe this is before he hit Wall Street. Maybe this oh. is like, you know, he's kind he's of out of his so, He's days. out of high school. He's just out of high school. Because like, I feel like if future Dexter was going to the beach, he'd have a really nice coat on like um i don't know why that is the thing that's like cementing this for me it's it's the sartorial choices but um, it is kind of like a freshman bomber jacket kind of it is yeah um and i can't tell if it's just the quality of the photo or if there's a design or if it's just a kind of wet look 
thing from you? Uh, it is on this cover. I know the picture I've sent you because my cover is totally just it's only text. Mm. Um, this cover I I could have picked a higher resolution image, but no, it looks like the wet look. Okay, so I think that this is the before the classic Dexter that like we know from the TV show. I also don't know if it was a TV show or a book first, but I'm going to say maybe it's a book first. Um, yeah, the, I, I'm going to go with that. He's fresh out of high school. Uh, he was very popular in high school. Like, you know, he played varsity and, you know, he was well liked. He's never he's, he's had issues with girls that like, you know, it's all kind of swept under the carpet and like, you know, these violent tendencies and things like that and then he's just gotten accepted into med school like you know he's like he has this like one track vision that he's going to become like you know this surgic like this like really famous surgeon Mm -hmm. and he's practicing he considers his murders practice for um the way you say ooh means it's not true (laughs) ooh I'll, I'll keep I'll I'm going to say ooh, and I think I, I'm not going to let you discern what that could mean. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out the dreaming bit, though. Like, you know, well, that could I don't... be him dreaming of like his future and him being Maybe. like, I'm practicing. And it is, those and, are like, dark dreams. Honing his, you they, know, his... He, he do be darkly dreaming. He do yeah. be darkly dreaming. Um, but yeah, I th- I, I'm going to go with that. Like, this is, he, this, he sees his murders, even though a detective looking on the outside would be like these are like you know power motivated sexually motivated murders he sees it as just practice hmm. I I really like this and I think it's really cool like if there's other people that listening now that have watched the tv show I really like you're really it's not even that you're super close but it's kind of like this is like another vein of what it kind of could be viewed as if that makes sense Okay, so um, Darkly Dreaming Dexter was written by Jeff Lindsay back in 2004 and it did get bought by Showtime and became the series that we know today as Dexter. Okay. Um, which, by the way, I would totally recommend watching. I'm actually going to rewatch it. I was obsessed with Dexter. I remember you I being obsessed with Dexter, like even like starting college and stuff. Well, I was at the end of my obsession by college because the show was coming to an end. Mm. And I will just like if you do go and watch the show, seasons one to four are some of the best things on TV. Amazing. Really, 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 really good. And you just get hooked into the story straight away. Brilliant. Season five, mm, um, season six, good. And then season seven and eight are the worst things I've oh, ever no. watched. It's oh, so sad. I how was happens. so heartbroken because I started watching this like in season one when I was a child. <laughs> This was me going on to Pirate Bay, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days, the good old days. Mom, of I can't hear it. <laughs> but yeah, so this is um, this is the first book in the Dexter franchise, and again, I'm gonna say if you have watched the series, a hundred percent go and read the book because the really cool thing is, book one is basically season one. But the ending is drastically different, as in Ooh. the characters who die in the show don't die in the book, and vice versa. So, so you is this get the first like, book. This yeah. is very okay. Yeah, yeah. You get two universes. It's the coolest thing ever because, like, I got obsessed with the series, and then when I was waiting, I I got obsessed right before season f- four, I think, 
And uh, when I was waiting between season three and four, that was the first time I wasn't catching up on the show. And I went and started reading the books and it was like, I could get excited for the new books now because it was a totally different story after book one. It's very cool. It's really, really people were saying Game of Thrones was a game changer for that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is so good. You get two versions of Dexter and then he released comic books and it's a weird AU about him being in like Australia. It's called Dexter Down Under. (laughs) I love a good AU. The comic book's very good. But anyway, this book is um, about our protagonist, Dexter Morgan who works for the Miami Police Department and he's a forensic blood spatter analyst. Oh, okay. Mm. That's where the blood spattery face comes in on the DVD cover. Yes, but he is also a serial killer and he's actually got probably the highest body count of any serial killer like in Florida, full stop. He's been doing it a while. So he was adopted as a child by a man called Harry and Harry kind of shapes Dexter to be the person he is today. Harry works in the police um, when Dexter is a child. And he um, recognizes really early that even though Dexter is like a sweet child, he's got, he is a sociopath. And he sees this tendency to kill and he just is doing everything he can to stop Dexter becoming a criminal and someone bad. Oh. He thinks he's got good in him. So Harry makes a code and it's just called the code of Harry and that there are people in the world that maybe do deserve to be killed um, when the justice system doesn't work. So there's so like one of the first kills in the series anyway, because I know people are probably going to jump to the series faster than the book. And the cool thing is, is I can recommend you can do both because they're both different yeah. kind of angles on the same story. Um in the series, one of the first people he goes after is um, is a priest who kind of cries crocodile tears in court and gets away with murder and abduction, even though he's a really high body count. So Dexter is there for all the people that get away. And all the people oh okay that. I was not expecting like vigilante justice yeah it's vigilante even though he's a sociopath and he's just Harry has kind of saved his soul a little bit and kind of kept him living this sociopathic kind of life that he's kind of been born into really unfortunately like he he can't help that he can't feel empathy and he can't fit in and he's managed to like turn it to to like I guess the best version of good that is possible in the scenario so um he kills murderers he kills rapists and any under undesirables and kind of the people who don't repent it's not the people it's really cool oh girl like I'm gonna rewatch the show like please rewatch it with me we should so watch an episode together because it is like I remember it being the best thing ever when I was a teenager and it is it's a really cool premise um the way he refers to this evil side of him, the whole underlying metaphor in this book is his dark passenger. So mm. it's kind of like a dark passenger takes the wheel and Dexter has to sit. And it, the way the book writes it is really cool because it's in first person and Dexter is almost this really timid persona and the dark passenger is what enables him to survive so it's kind of like, oh, Dexter was shoved in the boot and the dark passenger took over and it wanted this. And it's hey, like, it's very, very cool. It's very cool. So um, it's like less it, straightforward than I thought it was going to be. 
yeah like the the whole premise and the style of writing it, it's just really cool and it's really really new and i think maybe nowadays it's not as new as it used to be because i think this inspired a lot of tv mm. and it inspired a lot of shows and kind of the way we view sociopaths in television but um what's interesting is his dark passenger is really linked to the moon okay so, and not really in a supernatural sense it's almost in like an instinctual sense that the moon brings bad character and um the opening lines of the book are like the like moons hung so fat and low in the sky and it's um it's like a calling card for all of these bad habits to come out of people and Hmm. um yeah it's brilliant so anyway he's working in the police uh so is his sister so this would be harry's like biological daughter so his adoptive sister is also working in the police and she's got no idea of this secret. Like the only person that ever knew about Dexter and his tendency to kill was his, was their dad, Harry, who has since died. Um, they both work in homicide. She is a homicide detective and he, well, she's hoping to be promoted and is promoted in the early stages of the book to homicide and Dexter's blood spatter. And um, in this book, the police are chasing a new serial killer in Miami who's targeting prostitutes. Um, And obviously, Dexter would usually help out with the case and find this person and be killing in the meantime and be focusing to people that slipped through justice. But this serial killer actually starts taunting Dexter. They know exactly who he is. They know he's a killer. Uh, even though no one else in the world does. So now Dexter's curiosity is piqued and he wants to know the serial killer before the police do. So he kind of starts leading the police away to kind of save this killer for himself. And also there's also that fear that the killer knows he's that Dexter is also a killer and that Dexter works in the police and he needs to keep his secret covered. But I think the main thing is he actually it's almost like there's a kindred spirit in this person and he wants to connect to them and see what's going on because he's very alone. The anti-Dexter. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned American Psycho because one of my favorite things is in the series, there's a really clever little ode to Patrick Bateman. Um, like there's one thing when they're checking Dexter's like other aliases for like all the because he feels like the police are going to be on to him so he starts like checking out all his other aliases that he purchases like knives and things under and uh, Patrick Bateman is one of the names he uses is it possible to write a book about a serial a fictional text about a serial killer that does not reference Patrick Bateman no like it really do be it's the it's the Sally Rooney of murder (laughs) (laughs) but um i think this book is amazing if you enjoyed the series it's so good it's the way that he writes for dexter it's it's just very very clever and this whole like he the the metaphor of the dark passenger is as much a character as dexter is and i really 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 like that um it's quite funny at parts like he's (laughs) like the way he sees the world is mad i want to get a quote up really really quick um I had one here on my phone, but um, what is it? Um, Like, weren't we all crazy in our sleep? What was sleep after all, but the process by which we dumped our insanity into a dark subconscious pit and came out on the other side, ready to eat cereal instead of our neighbor's children. (laughs) 
because <laughs> he's so unaware like he is he has no everyone empathy. has this everyone wants to eat their neighbor's children yeah and like there's, there's like this scene in the show where um he's like the lieutenant of the police department is kind of hitting on him at a crime scene and they've just found that this serial killer has left like a head on the passenger side of a of an ice truck and she's like why would he do that and then dexter is kind of like he's like trying to answer the question and he's like maybe to use the carpool lane but and he doesn't realize it's funny <laughs> Um, it's very very good so uh, I have one more quote um, just to really fully explain him so it's I'm not sure what I am I just know there's something dark in me I hide it I certainly don't talk about it but it's there always this dark passenger and when he's driving I feel alive half sick with the thrill of complete wrongness I don't fight him I don't want to because he's all I've got nothing else could love me not even especially not me or is that just a lie that the dark passenger tells me because lately there are these moments when i feel connected to something else someone it's like the mask is slipping and things people who never mattered before are suddenly starting to matter and it scares the hell out of me oh he starts kind of becoming a bit more human it's it's really really cool i just have to say it's very very cool um and I push myself out of my like, you know, little reading comfort zone of just, you know, like mm. normal, pe- not normal people, but like normal people doing normal things and being kind of sad. It's cool. It's now the thing is, the book is written in 2004. So I do think the trope isn't as new and isn't mm. as exciting as it was back in like 2010 and like this new kind of thing you know, this new style and kind of getting into the mind of the serial killer, but making him a, like, even though he lacks empathy, he's a quite an empathetic character mm-hmm. because he's trying and maybe he actually doesn't lack empathy after all, because like he kind of does start realizing throughout the book and throughout the series that maybe he's capable of love and maybe, you know, he's very protective of his sister and he does like certain people that he works with that he'd be sorry if something happened to them yeah and he's kind of going like what what's wrong like what is this feeling i haven't felt it before and the book does go like you do obviously get the backstory to why he was adopted why he has this darkness and that nothing is ever explained fully in why he is the way he is because he's guessing the whole time no one knows why people are like this yeah um and really interesting fact i looked into um the, the author and he's married to hillary who is the niece of ernest hemingway who's also a writer <laughs> God. Damn, he married into a little dynasty. No, isn't that really cool? I never knew that. And I, I again, like throughout my Stephen King phase, this was my show. This was my book. Um, all of the titles of the book are really, really lovely. It's like Darkly Dreaming Dexter. Um, it's kind of like what the Kardashians do. Like <laughs> they focus in on one letter. <laughs> so it's like Dearly Devoted Dexter, Dexter in the Dark, Dexter by Design. Uh, Dexter is delicious. Double Dexter. Dexter's final cut, and then the final book, Dexter is dead. Um, why do I feel like Dexter is delicious? Is there's a cannibal serial killer in that one? Because there is a cannibal serial killer in that one. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Oh my god. Why do I, I just getting the image that like Dexter gets trapped and like 
the cannibal gets to cut off like a toe or finger. It's like nom, nom, nom. <laughs> an unnamed celebrity. No, is that what happens? No, I have not read the book. I haven't read that book in years. I've reread the first two just to kind of, and then I kind of, there's too many to kind of reread in one sitting. I kind of get drawn to other books. But um, yeah, he does. I have a feeling he gets kidnapped and maybe he gets, he either watches someone get slightly eaten or he gets eaten. <laughs> mildly eaten <laughs> mildly eaten mildly cannibalistic they, they only um, had a small appetite that day so they only yeah. had a little bit yeah exactly you can have a small bite <laughs> oh, why do we keep bringing up cannibalism it's not okay no cannibalism is not good Cannibalism is bad. It is bad. Controversial take, but we are taking a stand against cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, please, someone, someone, watch this, watch this show with me. <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch it, and I'm really excited, and I hope it's as good as because this show was like me and my family were obsessed with the show when it first came out. It was. And my nana loved it and my granda loved it. And it was just really new TV. And it was mm. the fact it was funny at times. And it was kind of not, you didn't have to be too serious and obsessed with it. Season four has, um, it focuses in on a kid, a killer called the Trinity Killer. And it's some of the best writing and acting I've like mm. ever seen. It's unbelievably tense and for a long time one of the scenes in that show which wasn't actually graphic it was kind of like someone snapping was the scariest thing I've ever seen like it genuinely shook me even though nothing like ex- like nothing sinister happened it was just the way this character just turned I was like oh my god I'm freaking <laughs> I'm like I don't know I I have some kind of block when it comes to like crime tv shows like I, I used to be obsessed with criminal minds i i i, lo- I and criminal mind let's be real it was great for a while and then like it's it's like the most formulaic tv show out there <laughs> but yeah. um since then like i've tried to watch hannibal and like hannibal should be the perfect tv show for me if only <laughs> because of maz mickelson um, it's a bit romanticized yeah well, no, I, Hannibal is romanticizing <laughs> I feel like I should enjoy Hannibal though and like because everyone says it's just incredible tv and like it, aesthetically like it seems like really good as well and good acting and stuff but it didn't grab me at all I think I think what Hannibal does is Hannibal takes itself that slight edge too seriously yeah I and think it goes on the edge of like this is beautiful and like sex is violent and violent is sexy and like <laughs> yeah I get it's a bit it's a bit too far sometimes it is yeah. very good when you're in the right mood for it it's brilliant but I actually took months to watch the first season because I wanted to be in the right mood to watch it because it is so <laughs> and that mood doesn't come up very often it doesn't like murder isn't really sexy like <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe that's it maybe I just yeah. have a fundamental issue with like you know murder being sexual Dexter's Which good I, I, I think that's a good uh, fundamental issue to have I mean yeah yes. fair I mean I like think it says something good normal. about my soul <laughs> Uh, kind of normal it it should be completely normal it is completely normal to have a fundamental (laughs) issue with murder um but um murder is wrong it is is. murder is wrong it's true like we we will be we're gonna come out and say it yeah it's wrong it's wrong but um chloe in particular i think you'd enjoy this because it's it can be a bit cheesy and it can be kind of funny and it can be like 
kind of like when you turn on an episode of CSI and you just want a resolution kind of moment and you want it to be like a snappy yeah. one liner or whatever. But like the way it's set up is kind of formulaic in a way. It's kind of it tends to be one serial killer per season. Yeah. And you always get like a resolution at the end and like at least it's not a serial killer per episode like (laughs) yeah it's not that makes Um, me worry about the amount of serial killers on the list (laughs) (laughs) i know this i actually i'm i think i'm going to start rewatching it again today because it it is i remember it being everything and more that i wanted and it was like really game-changing cinema and game-changing writing as well at the time i would give this book looking back on it about a seven out of ten okay but it this is only because i'm looking back and to be honest i've reread it so many times i'm slightly jaded by it that's the thing and it's kind of you're reading it in a different context like and it does scream a little bit edgelord sometimes when you look back and when i'm kind of like but this book really really did shape this is like why i have an interest in true crime and that kind of psychology and it's i think it's also what made me love first person storytelling above Mm. all because i think this book just does it very very neatly and very well and it's a really new take because that's what i enjoy about max porter it's really yeah that's thing it wasn't new like it's not new now which maybe kind of colors your opinion on it yeah I think so but uh, ultimately like I really really adored the series growing up and I just I think the title is one of the best titles like Derekly Dreaming Dexter is it's such a good title I love it. (laughs) Actual outro here. (laughs) Actual outro. Uh, you thought we were just bad at intros? No, we're bad at outros too. <laughs> <laughs> we love each other too much and we never want to stop talking, uh, but we're going to stop recording. We're going to keep stop talking. I know um, oh, I probably got <laughs> um, I've just been slowly just like, like barely able to keep my eyes open. So if I haven't talked that much in this episode, that is why. And they're probably like, we didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> um the the boring one didn't speak um that that is is not not the boring one i debate that but anyway uh it's a bye from me and i hope you enjoyed it till next time till next time friendos see you then Bye bye bye